Laugh. Abelbeth Maka. Barodakabalandam dung. Barodakabaladan. Barodak Baladan. Barodakam Baladan. Crookback. Cookbacked. Crookbacked. Cookback tick. Helketh Hazarim. Helkasnerkerism. Hekazum. Zum. Zer uranium. Helkathazarum. Almond. Eblatum. Almonded Belithium. Almond. Eblatium. Almodid. Tev. Aim. Almodid the thing. Epfatha. 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 Stop. I'm like crying. This is ridiculous. This is not. This is not real. Hey, welcome. Good to see you guys. How are we doing? Ooh, man, thank you for being here, for being a part of Cornerstone with us. Welcome, man. If you're at 5 o'clock tonight, thank you, guys, for watching, for just being a part of what God is doing here. And thanks for being here. I don't know how you got here. I know it's weird sometimes getting invited to church. And if you've hung out with church folks for any length of time, you've noticed that we say some of the weirdest things of possibly any group of humans alive. Like we come up with some of the most weird phrases and weird things that we say. And to us, it's perfectly normal because we've grown up with it. And we forget sometimes that you haven't. And so we say some pretty weird things. Like, for instance, especially if you walk into the conversation, it's really, it can be super sketchy. Um, if you walk into a group of church people and they say things like, whew, man, the spirit showed up last night, dude, it touched me, it was good. That's weird. Um, especially if you don't know what the spirit is and you just watch Poltergeist, you don't know what's happening, like are they gonna throw up soup, their heads are gonna spin around, what's next? Um, I was at a service once where this guy talked about girding your loins non-stop. And I was like, dude, I got kids. Come on. Serious? You know what gird your loins is going to do to my kids? Have you met them? They're going to run through the halls. I'm going to be getting calls from principals all week long about this. Gird your loins. For real? My favorite one, though, that I think, and, we, and all of us are a little bit guilty of this, if we've been in church for any length of time, this is a word that we throw out pretty regularly, even if we don't know what it means or when to say it. Um, it's kind of the Christian word for, I don't know what to do right now, so I'm just going to say Amen. Amen. See, that's what I'm talking about. We, we throw this word out. Amen, man. And we don't know what it means. And, and we put it everywhere. So it could be like, oh, dude, I just lost my job. Amen. Man. Dude, I just got a job. It's awesome. And I'm so excited. Amen, dude. Oh, amen. Man, I'm getting married. Ooh, amen. Don't know what to do in that moment. And then the best one, though, is like, hey, my mother-in-law is coming over. Oh, Amen. Um, we don't know when to throw that word in, so we just use it. And, and my fear is this, as we dive into some of these big words, some of them we've heard before. Some of these words we've used probably ourselves a couple of times. And unfortunately, I, my fear is this, if you've grown up in church, you've heard these words so much that they've either lost their meaning or we've added to or taken away from what they actually mean. And, and there's some words that are so powerful, it, it's, man, we've got to be careful of that. Today, the word that we're going to walk through is the word gospel. And I know some of you are like, dude, that's not a very big word. Seriously, you think they're going to give me one of those really big words? No, the gospel is, they're keeping it super simple for me. And the gospel may not be a big word, but it's got a huge definition. What, what the gospel means is enormous. And if we can't grasp the gospel itself, then the rest of this series is just going to be, it's going to be a headache for us. So today, as we, we dive through what this word, the gospel, 
salvation, what it actually means. Let, let's start point blank and, and let me define to you what the gospel is. The, 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 the word the gospel just by itself basically means good news. That's it. It just means good news. But what the gospel is, is great news. You see, the gospel isn't just this word or this phrase. It's not just the first four books of the Bible. So if you've grown up in church, you know that there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that there's five gospels that, that are written. Um, there, there's those four. And they just talk about from Jesus's birth to his death, to his resurrection. We know that those gospels are in there. But do we understand truly what the word gospel means? Because this word is incredible. It, it, the word itself, this is what good news, this is what the gospel is. It, it's the truth that there's a God that loves you so much that he looked down from heaven and he saw that we are all 100, everybody in this place totally messed up. There's not one person that's exempt from sin. We all have messed up and fallen short of God's glory. We all have things in our life that shouldn't be there. And it doesn't matter how good you are. If the worst thing you've done is like stole a towel from a hotel to like I'm a serial murdering axe killer, you know, I'm going to like wipe out my whole village, wherever that fits in your life. We all are in the same boat and in the same realm and on a level playing field of guilt when it comes to sin. And where this gets to be good news is that God looked down from heaven and he knew that. And he sent part of himself in the form of Jesus because he knew that as bad as the sin that we have was, there had to be something to pay for it. And the only thing that was going to be strong enough to conquer that debt was going to be Jesus. So he sent part of himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, who came to this planet. And this is why it's such good news. He died for us. He died for that sin that we carry, that guilt and that shame. He laid on a cross and paid the payment that we should never want or ever desire to pay. But that's not where it ends because this is, it's good news, right? It doesn't end with Jesus dying for us. It ends, actually, that, that's the beginning because right after Jesus died for us because he was God and because he was better and greater than anything this world has, three days later, he kicked open the tomb and walked out and hundreds upon hundreds of people saw him alive and they talked to him and they had dinner with him and they hung out with him. And Jesus said that this free gift of salvation is something that I'm going to offer to anybody. And all you have to do to get, this is, why it's, this is why it's good news, all you have to do to get freedom from guilt, freedom from sin, freedom from whatever is holding you back is to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. To by faith just say, God, I need you in my life, I'm done. I, I don't know how to get through this, I, I give up, I'm yours. Forgive me and come in and save me. And according to God's word, that by just asking God to come in and save us, that salvation is the free gift, the gospel then comes alive and it's good news. I feel like we could probably just pray right now and be done. Some of you are like, hallelujah, dude, amen to that. No, hateful. We're just getting started. If you've got a Bible, man, gird your loins, let's go. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say that my whole life. Um, go to Luke 8. Luke 8 is where we're going to walk through because I wanted to walk us through a story. Hopefully that will take the good news of the gospel and it'll make it come alive for us and it'll help us to walk out of this place different. So Luke 8 is where we're going to be starting in verse 26. Luke 8, 26, it starts with this. It says, they sailed in the region of the Gesserans, which is across the lake from Galilee. And, and let me help us real quick, because I just walked into something um, that maybe not everybody knows where we're at. So they in the story is Jesus and his disciples. So Jesus and his friends have just finished doing some really cool stuff across from the Sea of Galilee. On the other side of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus and his friends have done some, just some really cool work. And Jesus is at a moment where he's like, dude, I'm a little spent 
I'm going to take a little mini vacation break. Let's get in a boat and go across the Sea of Galilee. And his friends, his disciples, remember whose jobs were fishermen and sailors. They get in the boat with him and they start going across the Sea of Galilee. Now, right before, right before we read this, this is huge. This storm hits the Sea of Galilee and it starts rocking the boat, man. And it starts shaking the boat so much so that these, his friends, his disciples, these seasoned sailors, these professional fishermen get scared out of their minds. And like little girls, they just start screaming, ah, we're going to die. And they start running around the boat and Jesus is in the back of the boat, like taking a nap, sound asleep through the whole storm. And then Jesus has one of these Jesus moments, which I, I love. God's so sick. When he does stuff like this, I'm just like, man, that's cool. He wakes up and he's in the back of the boat napping. The disciples are, oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. And they start waking him up. Jesus, you got to save us. And Jesus, read the story. Man, it's right before this. Jesus wakes up and just kind of goes, come on, for real? Peace, be still. And the whole just, whew, the wind dies down. And the sea calms out and it's like glass. And the boat is just like floating, like smooth. And the, the disciples are so freaked out by it that they're looking at each other going, who is this? Like, who does, is he from Scottsdale? Who does stuff like this? This isn't normal. Like, no, who, did you see that? And it messes with them. So that just happened. And now they're across the Sea of Galilee and they're about a little bit southeast in a land called Gesserin, which is also known as the Decapolis, which it was an area of about 10 cities and 10 towns that were right there on the southeast side of the Sea of Galilee. They were Gentile towns. They were, they were run by Greeks. And Jesus docks his boat and the disciples are in that moment. And I don't know what your life is like, but if I was on a boat that was about to go under and I'm scared for my life, dude, when I'm getting off the boat, I'm hugging trees and rocks and kissing dirt and I'm loving life because I'm on dry ground. That, that's, that's where we're at in the story. So keep that in mind and go to verse 27. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Now, get this, in your, get, get this rolling for you for just a second. They land the boat and Jesus starts to get off the boat and some crazy naked dude comes running out of some tomb screaming. I'm from Texas, I'm sorry. Some crazy naked man comes running out of the tombs screaming, wailing chains around and, and he's just crazy. When you read Mark's version of this story, it says that he would take stones and this guy would cut himself and, and he, would, he would mark him and he would just run through the tombs. He lived in, he lived in a graveyard and now he's running around and he's running up to Jesus screaming all crazy. And some of you right now are like, how in the world are you getting to the gospel? Where are you at? My thought with this was simple. Um, I feel like a lot of us are in situations where we're not doing what we want to do. We're in situations where we feel like there's something that's in our life that's controlling us. There's, there's an addiction, there's a habit, there's something, I, I don't know, but there's something that's, that's a part of us that keeps us doing something that we don't want to do. And no matter how hard we try to stop, we keep walking in this rut and we can't get out of it, man. We just stay stuck in this, whatever this is. And it can be anything from an addiction to anger to, I don't know, there's a billion of us. It could be anything. And we think that there's absolutely nothing we can do to get out of it. If the gospel is really good news, and stay with me, if this is really good news and it was powerful enough to change some crazy naked dude, 
I think we're good. I think if it could change some crazy guy's life that's running around a tomb, and I, just let me throw this in for free because I'm like a sixth grader. If you think your job stinks, imagine the poor guys who had to go and chain up this poor naked dude. Like that was their job, was to go throw chains. That was the worst job in the world right there. Um, it had to be. Um, if there's something holding you back and you think that it's so big that God can't love you because of this, if, if the gospel and Jesus can do something in this guy's life, we're set. Let's get back in the story. So Jesus walks up on the boat, gets out, starts talking to the guy, verse 30. Jesus asks him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to go into the pigs and he gave them permission. And some of you right now, you've been in church for a while to know that Jewish people weren't associated with pigs. And you're like trying to figure out how were there pigs and Jews? There wasn't. Remember, this is the Decapolis. This is a Gentile region. This is a Greek part of the world right now. And so for the Greeks to have pigs, they're okay because they understand the beauty of bacon. And, and that, so it's, <laughs> pigs are normal for them right now. So that's, when they walk into this, that's, that's why that's okay. And that's why there's pig farmers there. Herd of pigs was outside. The demons begged Jesus, let us go into the pigs. And he gives them permission. Verse 33, when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down into the steep bank onto the lake and drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. No, duh. Of course you're going to go see what happened. Roll this through your head with me for just a second. You're a pig farmer, and I don't know what you do if you're a pig farmer. I guess you throw rocks at pigs or something, and you wait for lunch because bacon, and, and you're, you're herding pigs. You're doing whatever it is that you do. Pigs are all right there, and, and you see on, just on the horizon, you see a boat start to come in. And you've grown up in this area, so you know about crazy naked Leo who's running around in the tombs right now. And you know that that boat doesn't know. This is free pay-per-view for you. You're going to come in. I don't care who you are. If there's some crazy dude like that running around, you're going to go watch. And don't tell me you're not because I know better. You're going to go watch to see, but you're not going to get close because he's crazy and he's naked. You don't want to get too close to that. So you're going to sit at a distance. And I just picture these pig farmers walking up, like setting up, and they're like, lunchtime, check it out. <laughs> and so they're sitting there grabbing their food and they're eating. And they see the boat dock and they're like, here he comes. And, and they're watching. And then they see this guy get out of the boat like with authority. Like he walks out. And they can see that something's different just in how he walks. And they can tell that this, this isn't a normal encounter because he's not getting back in the boat. And they're not all running from this crazy dude. And in fact, the crazy guy isn't acting crazy anymore. And then out of nowhere, your pigs just start going crazy. And they run off and down into a river and drown and kill themselves. And the, you're sitting there, and, and obviously the first thing you're going to do is, well, I'm getting out of here. Like, <laughs> this, I can't stay, baby, we got to go. And, and you're packing up, and you're, you're going home. And they're going back to their village, and they're telling everybody, dude, I don't know what just happened, but you've got to get out here and see. You've got to get out to this moment and see what's going on. Before we get too deep into this, can I, can I please throw this in, because this is huge, and you need to hear this, and you've got to understand that this is truth. Whatever you feel like it is that's in control of your life, that's holding you back, whatever you think is so powerful that you can't break free from, whatever you think that you, has got such a grip and is such a tight hold on you that God can't free you from it, you need to understand the power of the gospel. Because the gospel is powerful enough that it can set you free from whatever that is. And you need to understand that whatever that is is still subject to who Jesus is. There is no power on this planet that can... 
that can outlove Jesus. There's nothing on this world that can hold you back from who he is. And I don't care what's holding you back. I don't care what addiction it is, whatever it is you feel like is just weighing you down. The power of the gospel, which is why it's such good news, is it has the power to set you free and to, and to, to bring you freedom from control that, that you can't get out of. It's why it's good news. It's why it's the gospel. And so Jesus has this moment with this guy where he goes and he starts talking to him. The people, man, their, their pigs run off and they, they drown themselves. And now the, the guys go back and they tell their village. And, and now verse, verse 35, towards the end, it says, when, when they came to Jesus, so that the townspeople is coming back. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. <laughs> yeah, those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gesserans asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got in his boat and left. Isn't this the direct opposite of what you think should be happening right now? I, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading this, like, I feel like this is the opposite of what should be taking place. Jesus just healed this dude. You got some crazy man running around, naked, scaring little kids, cutting himself, breaking chains. People can't even, guards can't hold him down. And he's screaming, running around, acting a fool. And now he's sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And you see him having a conversation with somebody. You would think the townspeople would come up and they would be like, Jesus, dude, this is awesome. Man, give me a hug. Come meet my mother-in-law. If you can do that, dude, help. Right? Jesus, man, please, if you could do that, holy, this is game changer. Come to my work. Man, come to my house. Come to my kids. Come. You got to come and be with me. Dude, thank you for wearing clothes. Thank you for not being naked anymore. Dude, this is awesome. Right? And instead, you got this whole group of town. This, the town comes back out to meet them. And instead of looking at Jesus thinking, man, this is, this is incredible. They're like, no, 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 you gotta go. You need to get back in the boat and sail back wherever you came from. And as I was reading this, I started getting mad. It's like, who does that? What moron would sit there and tell Jesus to leave when he just did this incredible life-changing, this dude's no longer crazy, this dude's normal again, he's, he's in his right mind. Who would ask that guy to leave? And the matter I got, the more convicted I got. Because I realized that in this story, if I'm gonna to try to figure out where I fit in, I'm a lot more like the townspeople than anybody else in this story. Because sometimes I get mad when God does something that costs me. Like if God does something crazy around me, I don't look at it and see how beautiful it is. Sometimes I look at the financial side of it, all right, what's it gonna cost me? All right, God, here we go again. Man, I guess I'm gonna to have to put my faith and trust in you. For real, God, I hope you show up, man. You didn't show up quite as quick last time as I was hoping. And I start to, to look at that side of it. <laughs> and remember, they lost their entire herd of pigs, which probably was a pretty big cut to the wallet. And the more I looked at it, the angrier I became and the more convicted I became because so many times with the gospel, I feel like I need to add to it. Right? Because you can't come to Jesus like that. For real, look at you. You're going to come to God? No, 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 hold up. You got to clean up. Dude, you can't come into church like that. You can't come to Jesus with all that sin and all that trash and all that guilt. You're going to walk into the Lord's house like that? 
and all that guilt and all that shame. And nowhere once in this story do I look at Jesus looking at this crazy guy going, ho, 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 hold up. I know what's going to happen, but wait a second. You're going to have to get dressed. Um, I ain't going to talk to no crazy naked dude. Hold on. Get dressed. Let me introduce you to deodorant. Put this on. You're going to brush your teeth. We're going to comb that hair. Um, did I mention you're going to put on some clothes? Yeah, you're going to get dressed. And then we can have a conversation. You see, life change happens after the gospel. The gospel, the good news of who Jesus is, comes in, and then change happens after that. The beautiful story of the gospel is that it's free for anybody. It's free for, it was free for this crazy dude running around, and it's still just the exact same gospel that's free for me and you. And it doesn't need our help or our additions. It doesn't need us to go in and wish that people stop sinning this direction because we don't like that sin. It doesn't need us to add on works that they need to do to it to receive because all of those things aren't the gospel. And no matter what we add to it, the gospel is still simple. It's still, we are all messed up and we have all fallen short of God's glory. Jesus loves you so much that he died to make up for whatever that is that holds you back. He beat death and came back and he's offering that free gift of freedom to you if you believe. Nowhere in the gospel is condemnation and guilt. Nowhere in the gospel is judgment. The gospel is about freedom and it's about peace and it's about the story of a God that loves you so much, he loves you in spite of you. And this story is, as I started getting angry, I got convicted and I started thinking all the things that I've added to the gospel so that people that sin differently than me could come in and be a part. And how horribly backwards that is. And if right now, maybe you were hearing like, hey, we're going to talk about gospel. I wish we would do some of the big words. Um, you need to understand before the big words make any sense, we need to get better at loving people the way the gospel commands us to. Because the big words are just that. They're big words. And as I was, as I was reading this, because I'm a guy, um, and ladies, y'all know this, we like to fix things. And men, you know this, ladies usually just want to talk to you. Um, they don't necessarily want you to fix the problem. They just want to explain the problem to you. Um, as I was reading this, I was trying to figure out what is my part. Like, man, if this is the gospel and if I can't earn it, if I can't go out and do something to make God love me more, if I can't get this gift to be from free to where I've earned it, what, what, is, what is my part then? What do I do with the gospel? Um, and that's, that's next. Go to verse 38. It says, so the, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. You get that our part of the gospel isn't to fix people or necessarily to point out their flaws. Our part of the gospel is just to go and tell people the good news. It's just to go and tell people what Jesus is, who he is, and what he's done for us. And that's it. It's that simple. Our part in this, our role in this, our job is to just to go and tell people about the gospel. Now, I mentioned when I started this that there were five, and some of you, I don't know if you caught it, but I only gave you four. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the very beginning of the New Testament where they talk and they walk you through Jesus' birth to death and resurrection, and all four of them do an incredible job. The fifth gospel is us. And the majority of the world is not going to read the first four until they read the fifth. Let that soak in for just a second. Most people won't read the first four gospels until they've read your gospel. And they're going to watch you to see, are you telling people what God's done in your life? Are you telling people what Jesus is doing? And our job in this is so simple that we make it so complicated. We are not to go out and to fix. We're to go and tell. 
We're to go and share what God has done in our life and let the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel, the power of salvation set people free. You see, the gospel isn't what we did to get to God. It's what God did to get to us. And it's beautiful and it's powerful and it will change people's lives. And our side of it is simple. It's to go and tell. And it's unique. You understand that there is no other form of religion. There's no other faith system. There's nobody else that has a gospel. There's nobody else that has a story of a God that loves you so much that he came to this planet and died for you, that he beat death and he made your payment of sin. And he set you free from sin. And there's nothing you could do to earn it because he did it out of love, not because he wanted something back. And there's, no, there's nothing else that even has a story close to it. So, and and I, I hope this isn't offensive, but it's the truth. There is no other way to Jesus. There is no other way to heaven. There is no all roads get you there. All roads go somewhere, but only one road will get you to heaven and will get you to Jesus. And that's the gospel that's found in this book. And that's the only way that we get to God is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not our actions. It's not our good intentions. It's not our good works. It's not what we do. It's not what we say. It, it's who Jesus is and what he does for us. And there is no other way to Jesus except through Jesus. And there's no other way to freedom. There is no other way to freedom except through Jesus. And the reason that this is such good news is because right now there are two groups of people in this room. There are those of us who are desperately in need of the gospel. We desperately need good news in our life because we're tired of trying to be good enough. We're, try, we're tired of trying to earn God's love. We're tired of trying to make God love us because we're so messed up. We're tired of pretending that we've got it all together when we don't. And we need the good news of Jesus to come in. And you needed to hear this morning that he is madly in love with you and the gospel is still good enough news and it's still powerful enough that it can go in and it can break those controls and it can set you free. And not through condemnation, but through the love of Jesus Christ. And there's people here today that needed to hear that and you need to do something with that. There's also a group of us here today that you need to go and tell people because you understand the gospel and you've got that down. You know that God loves you and that's great. And you've had that moment where you've trusted him with your life. We need to follow our part in this, which means we need to go out and we need to be, sounds a little crazy. We need to be more, more excited about telling people about Jesus than we are Twittering about what we're eating for lunch. And I get it, it's good food and it's gonna look good on a plate and you're gonna want your friends to know. And Jesus is still much better. And our job is to go and tell. I wanted to leave you with this. In 1875, one of the coolest and greatest songs was ever written. It, it was penned by a lady named Fanny Crosby. And it was a song, because I grew up in church. This was a song that she wrote. And these words are so powerful. And I remember as a kid going to church every time the doors were open. And I remember as a kid singing this song and I never understood the power of these words. I never had a moment where I sat back and I, and I actually thought about it. I just got caught up in the moment and most of the times I just sang and I didn't really know what I was singing. I just said the words. I wanna leave you with this. I wanna read the words to this song because I think it's powerful and I think hopefully it's gonna set somebody free. It's, it's a song called To God Be The Glory and it goes like this. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. 
Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Great things he has taught us, great things he has done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son, but purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. I don't know where you fit in this today, but please hear this truth. The gospel is still strong enough to break whatever's in control of your life. It still has the power to set you free. And it does it through love and through acceptance and not condemnation and guilt. And Jesus is madly in love with you. Some of you need to realize that and accept it for maybe the first time. The rest of us, we have got to tell people. This is too good of a news to hold in and to hold inside and, and, no, and to walk away and not tell anybody. Jesus, thank you for today. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for the truth in this story that I will never out your love. God, I thank you for the fact that if, if you could come to this guy who was messed up in ways that I can't even imagine and you can set him free, I know you can do the same for me. So God, in this moment, I'm just gonna ask that you would come into this place, God, and for the people under the sound of my voice right now that are struggling with the truth that you love them, God, would you let the power of the gospel work today, and God, would you give them the freedom that they so desperately want? And if that's you, it starts with you going to God and just saying, God, I'm yours. If this is true, forgive me, come in and save me and be a part of my life. And that's the start of the gospel. God, for the rest of us, would you give us the courage to walk out of this place and tell people the things that you've done in our life, to never get tired of speaking about the good news. God, to never get weary, but to constantly tell people what you're doing, to constantly be that voice in that light in the darkness, God, that points people towards you. Would you forgive me of the times that I've been more condemning and more restrictive to the gospel and I've forgotten the simplicity and the truth that it's all about you, Jesus, and will never be about me. God, would you set us free? And through the power of the gospel today, would you change our lives and make us more like you? In the holy and beautiful name of Jesus, amen.